Welcome to Corporate Cafecito, a podcast based on professional development, career growth, and respecting our cultural identity. All right, welcome back to Corporate Cafecito. Yo soy Nayeli Suarez Guest, and today I have the pleasure of having Noeli Sidna join us. And if you have been anywhere on LinkedIn or the Chicago community, you have seen the story of this woman who is not only a badass Latina lawyer, she is also a daughter, a mother. She still helps out at her parents' restaurants. I feel like I'm doing her whole introduction, but Noeli, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? (laughs) A very kind and accurate introduction. Um, No, thank you, Noeli, for having me. So yes, I am the proud daughter of Mexican immigrants born and raised in the Chicagoland area. Uh, Formational aspect of my life is that, yes, my parents own a fast food restaurant in South Holland, Illinois, Andy's Grill. It's great. Check it out. Um, And I, I was five years old when they started it. So that was home for me. The family restaurant is where I was after school. It was my summer vacations. It means everything, and it still does really to this day. Fast forward, that restaurant got me, got my brother through college, me ultimately through law school, and now here I am eight years into my corporate legal practice with my own practice, which is Serna Legal Services. So yeah, it's been a a long journey, but really the the core of it comes from my family, the restaurant, and just the entrepreneurial spirit that I grew up in. I think you're being very humble. I <laughs> <laughs> um, that fast food restaurant got you through which school? It got me through Northwestern University undergrad and Northwestern Law School as well. Which yeah. is yeah, <laughs> amazing. Thank you. Amazing. So, Noeli, you and I see each other outside of here, which is why I invited you here because we were both talking a lot about just our mental health mm. and how hard it is sometimes to be an entrepreneur, a daughter, a a sister, a mom, a friend, and doing all those things while, you know, showing up to Las Quinceañeras and (laughs) working at your parents' restaurant. For my family, it was bars. We we always had a bar. I bartended there and Mm. it was always... You know, I would walk in thinking we were going to do something as a family. And then my dad would be like, que bueno que llegaste. Yes, <laughs> ponte a trabajar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And all of a sudden, you know, and I'm waiting tables or washing yeah, dishes. Yeah. So I think that we grew up with a lot of chaos. Mm. I forget the term for it when you, you become an adult early. That happens to especially families with entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. we make our children work. Right. And, right. you know, I find myself guilty of that a little bit myself because I mm. always make my kids work right. too. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about a little bit about your mental health journey. Oh, goodness. Um. So... I think you're absolutely right. Everything you're describing, right, is that we, at a young age, we're trying to play so many different roles and then add on top of it being, at least personally, right, my parents were, they struggled with their English. They struggled Mm -hmm. with understanding how to do not not just the running a business and being in the kitchen in a restaurant, but what it is to be in in the corporate world, right? Because a Mm -hmm. business, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's an office, is, is a business in corporate America. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we I was not just in a role of helping the family. I was in the role of explaining to the family what we needed to do. The, the lawyer came in. I have to explain, this is what they want from you. The accountant needed something for taxes. So now you're in a position, too, to have to help them navigate that. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you said that you grow up so quickly. It feels also the pressure. I remember feeling the pressure of, if I don't do this right for them, 
things are going to go wrong and it's right. going to be like my we fault. We can mess up the whole business. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously, of course, naturally, that takes a toll on one's mm-hmm. mental health. You're always not just worried about yourself and having to succeed, quote unquote, because that's what your parents are working for, too, is you have to go to school. You have to do well. You have to be something else, something more. And I'm saying that in air quotes. And it takes a toll on maybe confidence as well and making sure that feeling that you're not enough sometimes or you're failing. So all of that ends up trickling into your life one way or another. And it's something I've always struggled with, but there are ways that I've found to try to help it, right? Therapy, which in the Latin community, so stigmatized, unfortunately, right? Of why do you need somebody else to talk through your right. problems. Aquí a tu familia. Yeah. A mí. Sí. You know, before I, I lose this thought, you said how we have to, like our parents want us to go on and be something else. Mm. And I think that's part of that pressure that we feel is that they want us to be, my dad always said, you know, you have to be better than me, mm-hmm. but I also had to be the waitress at the bar. Mm-hmm. I remember I was working at PepsiCo mm-hmm. and I would get off on Friday at work yeah. and go come over to my dad's bar and then I'd work till like two in the morning. So if you think about a day that starts at like 7 a.m. and goes to 2 a.m., that was really hard. But I never thought of it as hard because it was just duty and responsibility and those things that they ingrain in us. So they want us to be they want us to be something really amazing, which I think you are. (laughs) And (laughs) And you are as well. Yes, absolutely. But we also can't leave the role of being the daughter. Yes, yes. Um. And then also there's like this guilt, at least for my family in the restaurant of you and your brother didn't want to continue this, right? Now, who's going to take over the restaurant? What are we going to do? We don't want it necessarily to not go to family. But at the same time, the conflicting issue is that, but they wanted us to do something else, right? Right. So even for them, for our parents, I think there's that tension within themselves. Um, And yes, it puts us in a very kind of guilt-ridden place. My father would say, you know, hago todo esto para ustedes, para que ustedes hereden el negocio. And I would be like, I hope that when you die, you don't have any more businesses, you don't have anything, y hasta me debas dinero. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I want you to, when I think about it, and this is, you know, part of the guilt that I feel is like, they came over here with nothing, Mm -hmm. right? And illegally, my dad, my mom came because my grandfather worked the railroad and Mm. he was able to get her papers and then she got my dad papers once they got married. But my dad came over here and it's like, you're here starting from scratch. You've already done leaps and bounds of from where we started to where we are. It's already such a huge advancement. And so I think, um, you know, they want us to move forward and we feel the guilt of carrying that we need to do better because they did so much. Right. Right. Yeah. And what is enough, right? Or Mm -hmm. at what point is it enough? And for them, I think it feels like it's never right enough, which carries into ourselves and how we treat our own careers and how we treat our experiences of I'm supposed to be reaching for the next. What is the next? So you feel like you can never be comfortable. You can't ever sit down and pause for yourself professionally, which also ends up trickling into the personal right and we always now as a mom a a first time mom to a nine month old now it's also I have to succeed at this new thing too right you have to be the best mom yes the best business owner the best daughter yep um so it's funny Noelia and I so she is a new mom (laughs) and she reached out to me to ask me how I did it when I had my boys and they were little 
And it was interesting. I actually had someone from my one pueblo over. She was our afternoon nanny and she would come take care of my boys. And I always wanted alguien que me cuidara los niños so that they felt calientito and warmth yeah. and like that love. And so she's amazing. And she is now oh, um, taking care of Noelle's yes. baby. <laughs> but let's go back to part of the reason I had to go to therapy was, you know, my family would be like, but I also have to be this professional success, yes. but I also have to be the best mom and I can't leave my kids with anybody and they have to siempre estar bien guapos. And if you see my kids, they're always in t-shirts and joggers. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it's just, you start getting overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Nunca ganamos, truly. Like, it feels like we can never win. We can never get it right. But yeah, I mean, a couple things there. So one what I have had to accept and found that I need in order to quote unquote succeed, I need to know to ask for help and I need mm -hmm. to be to think about it differently than I think my parents have. So a great example of that, aside from um, my nanny now that, yes, I mean, I could not do what I do without her. But originally when I first had him, we decided let's try a night nanny, which is somebody that would come in three nights a week immediately after our son was born And she would take care of him overnight, which meant I got three nights of uninterrupted sleep. Lucky. I yeah, that. I know. I love that for which you. Any, yeah. any new mom that has the ability to do this, I mean, I cannot stress how, how much it helped me because sleep is critical. I don't think we can do anything when we're, we're sleep deprived. Being good at anything is almost impossible when you don't have mm -hmm. your physical um, being in, in the best shape possible. But My parents to this day don't know that we did that for that same reason, right, of that stigma of what do you mean you, you that we did it this way. We got through it. You, mm -hmm. you this is it's almost like a battle that you have to experience, right, right. and live through to to be a mom. But we have to kind of step away from that mentality because now I'm not just a mom. I'm also a business owner that had to navigate a maternity leave when I'm the sole owner of my business, right? Right. No, it's just there's so much more to it than maybe even our parents' experience. And sometimes remembering to have empathy too for our parents because they, they don't know, right? They've never been necessarily in our shoes, but still not being afraid to find the resources necessary to get through it. When I had my first son, I was living in Texas and my mom came down and she stayed with me for La Cuarentena, mm, yep. which was amazing. So we did not have a night nanny or a night nurse, but I had my mom there. Mm -hmm. And in the morning she would come and, and grab the grab our mm. son and, and walk off to a different room. And she's like, Dormete. Oh, okay, and so, you know, yeah. I think that was part of the experience, but she had done that because her mom had done that for her. Mm. So... I told my boys, I'm like, when you have babies, I get to move in for yes. 40 days. <laughs> And let you sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, It's critical having that village. Do your parents know you go to therapy? No. <laughs> no, I don't necessarily talk to them very much about it. Probably for that same reason, right? I don't want to put a negative spin to something that I know is so positive on me. And I know, and maybe I don't give them enough credit and I should, but I, I know there will be questions. There will be doubts. It'll be, why, what did we do? Like, why do you have to go to therapy? Yeah. And it's not about that. We, you and I were talking about this. Yeah. It's about me, not you. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's my way of guarding myself and just, it's something that I've chosen to do personally and don't feel the need to share it. But yeah. So yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think I remember I, I told you that I told my parents I was, uh, 
en terapia. And my mom came over and she's like, es lo que hice yo, que mis niños tienen que estar en terapia. And I'm like, that, yeah. ask me, ask me why I'm going or how I feel or what stress. And, you know, I think through therapy, I learned how to set healthy boundaries with my parents mm -hmm. to be like, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. I work in my home. Mm -hmm. That does not mean I am not working. Yes. Oh, oh I'm snapping. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yep. Yeah, same thing. A hundred percent. Because to someone outside looking in, yeah, it looks like you're just sitting comfortably at a desk, like clicking away at a keyboard. But it's it's different, right? Maybe I'm not taking a customer's order. I'm not cooking on a grill. Mm -hmm. But the the mental aspect of it, the stress, it's still there nonetheless. Yeah, but it's, it's sometimes it's hard to explain it. Yeah. You know, when you don't <laughs> like, see it. I'm yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you work mostly with a Latino entrepreneur base, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What are some of the common mental health challenges you see them facing or you facing? And are they in a cross-generation? Because I think our generation, which is like first generation mm -hmm. here, shares a lot of the same struggles. Do you see different ones? No, I mean, I, I think I see, luckily, a lot of our, the, our generation taking those similar steps, having these conversations with each other. I have these conversations with my clients that are kind of in that same generation as myself. And some are, are more vocal about it with their parents, for example. They're willing to push back more, which I think that's, I've never been, that's not my, has never been my personality with my parents, at least, of pushing back and pushing boundaries. But I see others do it, and I think that's good, too, right? Right to be able to to have that open dialogue with the the generation before us, um, so that's been a nice aspect to to see. Um, but otherwise, I also do work with my parents' generation. A lot of my clients mm -hmm. are of that generation too, um, which. I, I, I can see the parallels to the, the my parents' experiences and what they've gone through. And luckily what that has helped me do is to have empathy too for those same business owners because while I may not agree necessarily with how they are moving forward with their businesses, what I've seen my parents go through over 30 years in business, I can explain to my clients, here are some steps you may want to consider so you don't find yourself in this situation right in the future. Whether they take my advice or not, that's out of my <laughs> hands, but at least I can offer it and be a resource. Tell me a little bit about your journey and at what point you decided to prioritize your mental health. I also want you to think about like when you, how you looked for a therapist and how you found one that was a good fit. Yeah. Oh. So I started my my legal career as a lawyer in a, a big international law firm here in Chicago. So we call it big law is what mm -hmm. you you'll hear it referred to. So these are huge law firms, grueling hours. So, you know, you can work 70, 60, 70, 80, depending on what's going on hours a week. You're expected to be on call all the time overnight. And I'm someone that needs sleep. So for me, that was just it was really, really weighing me down. I was exhausted. And then I was also in the middle of starting in that career, also in a really tough relationship that did not end well for many different reasons. And that was it. That was when something happened where I was sitting in my desk, something was going on with the, on my personal life. And I was sitting there and just started crying. Oh. Like I lost it in right in the office, oh, right no. in my, I mean, I had my own office. Yeah. Luckily I could close the door, but I just knew I can't do this. I cannot focus on my work right now and expect to do a good job with how I'm personally feeling. And luckily mm -hmm. I spoke to somebody and they told me, take a minute, go home. And I thought, Going home and just sitting here and thinking about it, it's not 
not going to be, be enough. worse. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's not going to help me. So then I thought, okay, you know what? I keep hearing people talk about therapy. I am a, a proponent of it, but I haven't necessarily taken the step myself. Mm-hmm. So that was the the moment, right, where I did Mm -hmm. decide I needed to do it. And then in terms of finding somebody, luckily I have friends and I have people in my sphere that go to therapy too. So I started asking them, you know, who do you work with or have you been happy? And then was connected with somebody and I went through two. So, so yeah, I mean, therapy is a very personal thing. So you Mm want to find the right fit, obviously, for yourself and not being afraid that just because the first person you're just not clicking, that doesn't mean you're stuck with that therapist. You can go and find someone else. It's like a relationship. Exactly. And you need to have someone that you vibe with or you have a good rapport with that you can feel comfortable because if you're just going to go to your therapist and lie to them or right. tell them what you think they want you <laughs> oh no they want, don't do like, that don't do that yeah. like and my first I guess this would be my second therapist I loved her oh I just felt I had done so much progress and yeah. she moved oh. so I had to find another one and I went through like three in like a series of like two months and mm. I was like no, till I found another one. And then now the one I've had, I've had for a couple of years, I go every week. And it's funny because you talk about guilt. Mm. When I first started going to her, I was waitlisted for like six months before wow. I could go see her. Wow. And then I started seeing her. I loved her and she apologized for the weight and whatnot. And I was like, if there's someone that has more priority or like who needs you mm. more, mm-hmm. Give them my slide and I I can wait. And she's like, oh, we're going to talk about guilt a lot. <laughs> and yeah. so here go the notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Right? I wow. don't even want to take my therapist time. Wow. Like, I yeah. know. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, we talk about like yeah. legitimate guilt and illegitimate guilt and mm. how to get through it. And I'm like, I will tell you one of my aha moments was we're raised with guilt Mm -hmm. most of our culture right the the cultural guilt the church guilt Mm -hmm. the deber responsabilidad what it means to be a family member how you're supposed to help family no matter what Mm -hmm. la buena niña kind of yeah yeah yeah. and i was like oh my god and so Mm -hmm. now i'm able to push back a little bit and and say like you know what i'm not going to that party and they'll be like oh que va decir la gente i'm like hopefully they say I hope she's resting. I know yeah. she had a tough week, yeah. you know, and I I'm like, she's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead, I wrestled with my family a lot over this. I was like, can we not take attendance at parties? I'm mm-hmm. like, because instead of focusing on the 400 people who Ugh. showed up for this boda, you're going to focus on the 12 that didn't. Right. And I'm like, it's such a night, but it was so hard for me because I felt like I was balancing my corporate job. I had two newborns because mine were, mm. you know, 17 months yeah. apart. So I had two under two. <sighs> And I was running to to things and, you know, trying to get out of being. And I was just like, you know what? I was at a party. We're leaving. The party started at six and I left at seven and I was like, we're leaving, you know, Alejandro's bedtime is 730. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's a Saturday. And they're oh. like, and I go, he doesn't know it's a yeah. Saturday. <laughs> like, oh, that doesn't, nothing irks me more than someone telling me I don't, I shouldn't worry about my kid's bedtime. And I know. Just let, like, let it slip for now. Like, no. no, this is, this is the one thing <laughs> yeah. you've got is that yes. at 730 he yes. goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I had to be okay saying that mm-hmm. and then seeing like how my family reacted to it. Yeah. And being okay with it and being able to live with the reaction, right? And understand that it doesn't matter how they react. We have to prioritize what we need. Right. Right. And also not saying things so that I'm so resongona. You know, Mm. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just, Alejandro has to go to bed now. And, you know, we, we love 
coming and seeing everybody for a little bit, you know, yeah. but still, you know, you leave and you're like, oh my God, what are they going to say? Oh, yeah. But now I'm okay with that. Right. You know, it's, well, it's been 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're getting there though. Yeah. I mean, and that's, some people never get to that point, which that, that's hard. That's yeah. A big- Where do you think our Latin community is with therapy or accepting therapy? I think it has work to do. Um, so I think I'll return that our generation, and I say I I have to remember to say our generation. I think especially those that have been career driven, and we've gotten these great opportunities. I think I have been exposed to so many different ways people think, different cultures. So I have had that privilege to be exposed to so much because of going to school and and being in, in corporate America. So that tends to be a lot of the community I surround myself with. And I think they, us, have taken those steps and accepted that it's important to take care of our mental health. But there are others that haven't, right? They stay in the same, and nothing wrong with this, in the same town, you know, the same kind of jobs. And we sometimes get stuck in the same mentalities and we don't get exposure to others. So I think within maybe that section of the community, there's there's more education to do, just more conversations to to be had on the topic. Yeah, sure. I think we, we need to normalize it. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, I'm encouraging people, I practice on my dad um, a lot, <laughs> yeah. to like change the way we talk. Mm. I tell him, if you want something, ask my children for it. Don't guilt them. Mm. Don't say, no me vas a dar pera. Say, mm-hmm. hay peras. You know, like right. instead of making it sound like they're withholding stuff from yes. you, little things like that, mm-hmm. we can change so that we can have a better impact. And I tell my dad, you know, here are things that are off limit. My marriage, my weight. Mm. You know? oh. like, and I've told them, I'm like, before you talk to me, I want you to think, is this a, a message filled with love and how is it going to help my daughter? Mm. And if it's not going to help me and it's not loving, don't say it. Right. And, he, and you know, at first he's like, a ti no se te puede decir nada, oh. tú te cabronas luego, luego. And I was just like, no, no, no. I'm like, I just need this so that I can be right. okay. Yeah. And I can be the best daughter to you yeah. too, right? Because if, yeah, if that's the treatment we're receiving, it's going to be a lot harder for me to treat you the respect I would like yeah. to back. And that's that's not doing anyone any good. <laughs> no. Yeah. no. And you know what? My dad has changed a lot. That's and he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, he still told me the other day we need a new pediatrician. <sighs> but, you know, he's <laughs> <It's>, interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I know that it's because he loves my children yeah. so much. And, right. you know, he is. I try to also filter that so I don't get hurt every time. Yes. Like I instead of me thinking he's judging me as a mom. I say, oh, my God, you love them so much as a grandfather. Right. You are so invested and you care about something like a pediatrician. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. I like that, that you the filter word. You filter that through that lens. And it, it does help us empathize a little more with where it comes from. So what advice do you have to the corporate cafecito community <laughs> on either their entrepreneurial journey, their mental health, and how to balance both? Because I, one, from the outside, it looks easy, right? <laughs> Noeli, you're always so like bright and bubbly and I, uh. see, your, <laughs> I see your post and I'm like, man, she's such a go-getter. I love her. <laughs> oh, you were too kind. And likewise, truly. Ah. 
ask for help. I think the further I get into my career, the more I don't stigmatize myself asking for help. So especially for high achieving, I think, individuals, it's really hard for us to admit that we don't know something or we can't figure it out. But it's going to take so much longer. It's going to set back your mental health so much more if you instead had just asked, right, and sought out that information from your community. If one person didn't know, chances are they know somebody who does, right? So that I think that goes for business. That goes for our personal lives. Ask for help. Ask, how did you do it? And you never know, you're going to end up with your kid's nanny and and a million years of gratitude to you for that. It's unbelievable how things happen. I love that you said ask for help. I think we are comfortable to do it when it's very easy and physical stuff, like help me move this couch or help me, you know, give me a ride to this or help me review something. When it's something like that, I love the idea, though, of taking that and saying, but when it's about me and we would do anything for Mm -hmm. anyone, really. What a dopamine hit when you can help somebody else. Like give somebody else that opportunity for you. Yeah, I say that all the time. Like if we love to help and you love to help Mm -hmm. and you offer help, let someone else help you so you can reward them with this feeling too. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with that. That's what the community's for. That's right. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. (laughs) And we will see you next time on the next episode of Corporate Cafecito. Corporate Cafecito was produced in beautiful downtown Oak Park at Boulevard Studio. Audio engineer and editor is Mike Mitchell. 